to the stage, we're going to introduce them and uh, tell you a little bit about their ministry. And we're going to encourage you after the service just to go and spend some time talking to them. What I want you to do is to kind of say, Holy Spirit, is there somebody or something you want me to be involved in as I hear the story of these different things? I'm going to move over here, and then you guys get to stand there. Great. I'll introduce you, and you wave so they know who you are. But, uh, uh, of course, Higher Grounds, that was uh, Liz was just sharing what's going on in Higher Grounds, and um, you're part of that vital ministry that every week... Different things happen at Higher Grounds. People that necessarily wouldn't come into a church, do you understand? Go into Higher Grounds and just get uh, touched. So Liz, wave at them, everybody. This is Liz, of course, you know Liz. And uh, if you're looking to find a place to volunteer for four hours per week, that's it. Uh, go and see Liz afterwards. But I'm going to introduce Pam. Shmirko is the, uh, the I was going to say the president, the principal of our Christian school. And... Uh, She's just eager to talk to you about education for kindergarten to grade nine. And so our Christian school provides way more than academic excellence, but really uh, we are raising up young disciples. I'm so excited by what God is doing in our Christian school. So go and talk to Pam about that. And uh, in addition to that, um, they're looking for a certified teacher this year. So if that's you, put your application in or tell your friends about that. That'd be great. And uh, they're looking for people to serve in the library, I think. And they're looking for people to buy sausage after the service. That's, uh, so there's something for everyone there. You, you know, you can do that afterwards. So that's Pam. And then uh, Chris Reniger. Where's Chris? There's Chris from Teen Challenge. How many of you know we love Teen Challenge, the ministry of Teen Challenge? And, uh, and uh, just, uh, you know, working with people going through addictions recovery for one-year discipleship intensive time of connecting them to a relationship with Jesus Christ. And really the success rate of, uh, of Teen Challenge is, I don't think there's anything higher uh, that helps people get free from addictions. And so we are huge uh, supporters of what happens in Teen Challenge. But you might say, well, I, I don't know what else I can do. There's a golf tournament coming up. You can sign up for that. Uh, you don't even have to golf. If you don't golf, but you want to go for the, I think it's a steak dinner afterwards or something. Delicious. It's good. Uh, maybe the leftover sausage will be fried up there. I'm not sure. But, but uh, go and see her afterwards about uh, what's happening for the, for the golf tournament. Get signed up for that. If not, you can sponsor people for that and uh, all kinds of great things. Make sure that you come to that and talk to Chris about that. Any other, and also sponsoring, maybe sponsoring somebody that's going through Teen Challenge. Maybe that's something that God would connect to your heart. And Tina Houston, is that how you say that right? Well, what would you say? It is Houston. Most people say Houston. Okay. Well, Houston, I got it right, and most people are wrong. So she works, <laughs> she works for the Jessica Martell Memorial, uh, Jessica Martell House and the Memorial Foundation, and, uh, and really just you know, helping individuals and families that are going through domestic abuse. And if you've not seen uh, the house that is available that uh, the t Lynn and, the Tina and Tina and the team are building, uh, it is unbelievably awesome. I ride my bike by it all the time. And uh, it is, uh, how many bedrooms now? It's over 9,000 square feet. 9,000 square foot home that is being built in this, in this town to help families uh, to get free of domestic violence. Isn't that awesome, you guys? And so... Go and talk to uh, Lynn and Tina afterwards about how you might want to get involved. And I can tell you right now how you can get involved because there's a run that's happening on, is it the 24th? 
23rd of June. The 23rd of June, it's perfect. You can run, and then you can get showered, and then you can come to church. So it's, uh, I've done it before. It's possible. You can do that. Can I ride my bike? Okay, I'm riding my bike for 10K. I'm looking for sponsors right now for me riding my bike. I know it's pathetic, but I'll ride it twice. I'll do 20K on my bike, which is pretty good. It is good, actually. I'm a little freaked out that I said that out loud. But uh, <laughs> so, so if you want to sponsor me, you can do that. for the uh, And we're, all the proceeds, of course, go to the Jessica Martell uh, Memorial uh, Fund and Foundation, okay? So you want to do that. Awesome. Debbie Froze is here with Operation Christmas Child. It's not Christmas yet, but they, how many of you know they're preparing already? They believe in this ministry, and they're, uh, they're sending these uh, incredible gifts to the third world countries, uh, that uh, children that don't receive a gift, you can be part of that program, Operation Christmas Child. Maybe talk to Debbie how you can get involved in that afterwards. That would be awesome. Lastly, Jody Barrett. There's Jody and uh, the team here for Pembina Bible Camp. How many are going to Pembina this year? Yeah. I'll tell you something about Pembina. It is the most rustic camp. I'm not trying to put Pembina down, but it is rustic. It's, okay, there, it's, Almost the most rustic. No, it's awesome. But my kids love that camp more than any other camp they were ever part of or ever went to. And it is awesome. So make sure that you find out about getting registered. I think that uh, uh, we have a couple pastors from this church that are preaching this year. Jeremy, are you one of them? Did I say Jeremy? Your name, your name is written in heaven. It's probably Jeremy Tyler. Tyler is one of the speakers this year for the kids, uh, the youth. So on the same day that I'm the speaker at night. So you're all thinking to yourself, I hear you every week. Why would I want to go to camp and hear you again? Uh, yeah, it'll, it'll be good. I save stuff for camp that I just am not free to share with you on a Sunday. So make sure you sign up. And cargo pants. And Tyler Jeremy will be there as well, sharing the good news. <laughs> Camp fills up quickly. I think they're already starting to fill up for the third week, so make sure you do that. Did I introduce everybody? Did I miss anybody? No, I'm good. I got you all. Well, Mark is with you. Yeah, so sorry, Mark. Anything you want to say? You need a hug or anything? Come on, come on. It's good. Okay, let's give him a hand. Amen. You guys can make your way off. So, I, I, you know, we, we uh, try and we want to do Missional Sunday every few, uh, probably twice a year. And uh, we're working on, uh, why do we do that? Because how many of you know these people are committed to the kingdom of God and to seeing uh, God's kingdom manifest in so many different ways? You know, I, I just want you to be encouraged. You know, there are so many people that use their gifts and their life for the glory of God in so many ways. And uh, all of these ministries have had impact in so many things. And you say, well, some of them are, aren't really ministries, Pastor Greg. Well, the, the word ministry just means serving. So how many of you know it doesn't matter if it's a Christian ministry or not, actually? if they're serving God's heart and intention, are you following what I'm saying? That's actually what this is about. 
And uh, you're, you're saying, because this reflects the heart of God. It reflects how God wants us to operate and to live as disciples. And so it's not just what happens on a Sunday that makes a difference, church. It what, it's what happens in various capacities throughout the week. You may be a sport, you may be a coach of a, a team. And, you know, you can be bringing the kingdom of God into that, into that arena, into that realm. All of these things really represent what God's heart is. Here's really the big thing. The world has a perspective on how to use your, your life, but so does, the, so does the kingdom of God. And the world's perspective is this. Make all you can, can all you make, until your ashes are placed in a can. That's kind of the world's perspective. I know that's harsh, but there it is. And then God's perspective is make all you can, employ it for the kingdom and the service of good of others uh, as you enter into, you know, and then uh, as you do that and live your life with a, a, a vision or a mindset of the kingdom of God and employ that for the good of others, uh, you know, it doesn't matter what you're doing or where, where you're serving. If you'll keep the vision of God's kingdom in mind, you'll do great and awesome works. And then ultimately you'll end up with eternal rest in the presence of God and reward for what you've done. Each one of us, I talked about a few weeks ago, has uh, what the Bible calls a metron. And it's basically a realm of service or faith that every person has been given a measure or a metron of faith that allows them to, to utilize the gifts that God has placed in them for the good of others and for the service of mankind. And really, that's what God's heart and intention through all these people that we just heard here today, that you want to go and talk with them. You may say, well, I, I really connected with that Jessica Martell house, or I want to find out more about that Pembina Bible camp. Make sure you go and talk to them. We're going to give you time to do that at the end of the service. What we're saying is this. In other words, you either live by putting your faith in this world or putting your faith in God. It's really two choices that we're all faced with. Because every single one of you in this room has gifts and abilities to go forward and to serve God that way. Well, let's pray. And then we're going to look at a story about some servants and how they served. And maybe we can glean some things for your life and for my life. Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your Holy Spirit. Thank you for your presence. God, thank you for your truth. Lord, you are good. Lord. You're so good. And so give us eyes to see and ears to hear and hearts to receive and respond to you today. And I thank you, Father God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 25, uh, the parable of the bags of gold. It sounds like a good parable, doesn't it? Bags of gold. Your, your Bible may say the parable of the talents. It doesn't quite have the same effect as bags of gold. But uh, I'm going to tell you that just a little bit of the, the context, okay? So Matthew 24 and Matthew 25, Jesus is asked by his disciples, tell us when these things are about to happen. What will be the sign of your second coming or of your coming uh, when the time for the world is up? He's basically talking about the last days. And uh, in Matthew 24 and 25, some of the greatest portion of teaching 
on what things will be like during the last days. And you can read that yourself. But there's going to be wars and natural disasters and persecutions of the followers of God, by the way, which is on the increase more now than ever in the history of the world are Christians being persecuted around the world. In, in, in North America, Christian persecution is social. But in other parts of the world, Christian persecution is physical. And so it's happening all over our world today. So here's basically the th- couple common threads weaving through this. Here's the first thread. The day and the hour of the return of the Lord are unknown and seemingly delayed. That's one of the threads you'll weave all the way through the 24th and 25th chapter. The day and the hour of the Lord is unknown, but it's seemingly delayed. In other words, there's all kinds of signs that are pointing to it, but it just seems like it's long time. It's a slow train running. And, it, and he compares it to like in the days of Noah. And he says, you know, Noah, everyone is eating and drinking. And this guy, remember, this guy's building this ark that, where they've never seen rain before. They've never seen a flood before. They've never, it's never happened. And this guy's building this mammoth, massive ship, okay? And nothing happens. For 50 years, Betty and I were looking this up yesterday, probably took 75 years to build this ship, That's how big it was. And can you imagine people just mocking this guy? Like, what are you building a thing that floats? There's no water. Duh. And yet, this delay, so people just start eating and drinking, it says, as in the days of Noah, and they're oblivious, and then suddenly the flood comes and takes them away. That's one of the signs. The parable of the ten virgins is in this story, and and if you know that parable, they're, they're waiting for the bridegroom to come, but then they get tired. All ten of them get tired. And there's wise ones and foolish ones. And the wise ones have preparing for the return of the bridegroom in the story. And so they have extra oil for their lamps. But the foolish ones don't have enough oil even for the day. And so they begin to run out when the bridegroom comes and they're not prepared. And they go run off to try and buy some oil, but it's too late for them. And so this thread, the day and the, and the hour of the return of the unknown is seemingly delayed. And here's the second thread that runs through all these stories. Here it is. The day of giving an account seems unprepared for. So this, this, this common thread of that this day is coming, Jesus is going to return, and uh, you need to be prepared because you're going to give an account for how you lived your life. And so that's what the, you can see that thread running right through chapter 24 and chapter 25. So one of the stories is, of course, the, the wicked servant and the faithful servant. And uh, the, the faithful servant, you know, Jesus says, it'll be good if the master finds him doing what I told him to do when I get back. But the wicked servant says this, my master is taking a long time. And so the Bible says he begins to beat his fellow servants and not perform his duties. And he begins to kind of live the party lifestyle. And then his master returns, bam, after being away for a long time. You can read about the sheep and the goats. That's all in these stories. Again, this whole thread of not being prepared and being held account for how I lived my life. And of course, the sheep and the goats are like, you know, Jesus, like when I was in prison, you didn't visit me. When I was hungry, you didn't feed me. You didn't do, and they're like, when did we do that? And Jesus said, whatever you did to the least of these. So we always have to be conscious of the kingdom is what I'm trying to tell you. Because there's going to be an account one day and that's what these stories tell us. This idea 
of the time of his return seemingly delayed and the people not living, like one day they will give an account of how they invested their lives. Then we can look at our parable today now. Matthew 25, verse 13. The parable of the bags of gold. Again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his wealth to them. To one he gave five bags of gold, to another two bags, and another one bag, each according to his ability. Then he went on a journey. The man who had received the five bags of gold went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold gained two more, but the one who had received one bag went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So what's the story about it? The master entrusts them with his wealth. He entrusts them with great capacity. He commits it to him. And, and if you look at the language, it's, it, it, it's entrusting them with these things only for a season. It's only a period of time. And so he's entrusting them with his wealth for a period of time. Now, this is the wonderful thing. He says in the next phrase, he says, each according to their ability. And uh, the word ability is a, is a very powerful word. It actually just means, it's the word dunamis. It means power. Now, remember when I told you that each of you have a metron, each of you have a, a place of authority, and, and you've been given this ability to manage, and uh, that, that's part of what this is talking about. God is saying, I have created you to manage your life. I have created you to, to impact things around you. I've created you to have this realm and this sphere of influence. Now use it for good. Use it for good. That's what he's basically saying. So each according to their ability. Now that makes me happy because I do not have the same ability as some people. I have far less ability than some people. So God's trusted them with more than me. But what he, all he looks at for my life is to say, Greg, are you using what I've put in your hands? That's it. Are you using what I've, I've given to you? And, and the good news is, I, I, I hope so, I try to, and I say, Lord, if there's something more. But, you know, there are times when Greg Fraser is tempted to shrink back. He's tempted to not even utilize that which God has already given him. And so I have to be careful of that. We know in the story that the first two put their work, uh, their money to work immediately, and they gained more. They gained more. This idea of multiplication happens. Now, I want you to understand this concept that's happening here is as old as the earth because this is the intention of God in the Garden of Eden. Remember the Garden of Eden where he says, be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and have dominion over it for the good of, of God, or for the glory of God and for the good of mankind. That's God's heart, you guys. God has given every one of us a metron, a place of influence. He says, use it for good, multiply that, and cause it to spread. The Garden of Eden started on one spot on the earth, and God's heart and intention was that that would grow and grow and multiply and spread and go. And that's God's heart. Amen? So you think about... Um, even you take an example like the Jessica Martell house, right? What has happened in this tragedy that happened 10 years ago 
And you see now the multiplication, even taking that tragedy and moving it toward good, that you're about to see something that is happening. This represents the heart of God. It represents God's intention, is that this is going to actually turn for good. So that's what happens. The first two have put their money to work. They're, 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 they're employing it in that Garden of Eden mentality, and they're going for it to produce more. And of course, the third servant buries it in the ground, which is not good. It's interesting. He sees he buries the money of his master in the ground, and the word master means supreme authority. And uh, though the supreme authority had entrusted him with this to utilize it for good, he just buries it into the ground. Well, here's what happens. After a long time, the master of those servants returns and settles accounts with them. The men who had received the five bags of gold brought the other five. Uh, brought other, the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five bags of gold. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share in your master's happiness. Wow. Now, I, I won't read the whole parable because the first one and the second one actually have the same, exact same phrasing, exact same words in the, in the original language, everything. Uh, the, the, f- the first one gained five more. The second one gained two more. And uh, the master's words identical to, to both of them. Good and faithful servant. Good and faithful. And the word faithful means faith-filled. That's our series right now. Faith forward. See, when you're faith-filled, let me tell you what you're doing is you're living your life with your eyes on a prize that is not in the present but is future-oriented. And that's what's happening. They're faithful. They're faithful. They know they're going to give an account. Are you following me? They know their master is going to return. They know their master is good. And so they employ that which the master has put in there, entrusted to them for the good of others. And then it's and very interesting, as I was looking at the words and all that they mean, the word good, you know, you could look at that as available, as flexible, as, 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 as teachable. Amen. All these things that the word good means. And he calls them good and faithful servants. Faithful, looking forward for what God has for them. And then when, he, when they show up, he says this, because you've been faithful with a little bit of stuff, now I'm going to set you permanently over a lot of stuff. And if you study the original language, that's what he's actually saying. He's actually saying, I'm now going to give you a position. You're going to be my partner. You're going you're to actually manage incredible things. And the word is just this incredible word. It's this large in quantity, plenteously abundant. And, you know, the, you're going to also experience an abundant, exceedingly abundant purpose for your life. So here they were servants. Are you following me? Now, if you study it, what happens is they become partners with the masters. And he says, now share in my joy. He says, my joy is now your joy. You're my partners. Because you did this, because you took this little bit that I entrusted with you and you employed it for the good of others and for the service of mankind, which is what we're going to get to, but not so much what they did, but they multiplied those, that, that money with the intent of looking at the return of their master and the account that they would give. Share in your master's happiness. How about the third servant? When the man who received the one bag 
of gold, saying, Master, I knew that you were a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid, and I went out and hid your gold in the ground. See, here's what belongs to you. What a story. Here's the things that you need to understand about the third servant. Number one is this. He misunderstood the master's character. Terribly. <laughs> you're a hard man. I knew you're tough. You're reaping what you haven't sowed. You're harvesting where you've not scattered seed. Now comprehend something. This is how ironical this is. He's holding the bag of gold that the master gave him. And he says, I knew that you, you just didn't give any seed. You, you never gave seed. You, you're asking to harvest where you didn't plant anything. While he's holding the bag of gold that the master gave him. This is those words to the master. And, and the th second thing is this. He misunderstood the master's investment in him. The master didn't give him too much. He, he gave him what he could handle. And he said, I, I just wanted you to employ it. <laughs> employ it for good. But he, instead of living in faith, what did he move into? Fear. I was afraid. So I took your money and I buried it into this world. The master's response, and it's interesting, it actually hurt the master's feelings. It's kind of, the way my, 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 my passage puts it, the master was furious, but that furious is not really even the right word. It actually is an emotional word. It's like it really hurt him. It's like, how could you think I gave you nothing? How could you say those things about me? How could you so misunderstand my character and my goodness and who I really am? I like what he says here. That's a terrible way to live. It's criminal to live cautiously like that. If you knew I was after the best, why didn't you at least, you know, do the least? The least you could have done is invest the sum with the banker, and that would have gotten a little interest. So what does this speak to us today? I'm doing good. Though the parable is about bags of gold, it can refer to all that God has invested into our lives. That's the meaning. Or you think about what God's given you. Time, abilities, gifts and talents, money, the ability to produce wealth, the testimony of what God has done for you, the relational treasures that are the people that are around you, the influence of just being Canadian, just living in Canada. You've been entrusted with that. This is what God is saying. I, we could go on and on and on. Are you following me? God is good, and he's given you good things, lots of things. Listen to what 1 Corinthians 4, 7 says. Who makes you different from anyone else? What do you have that you did not receive? And if you have received it, why do you boast as if you have not? What makes you different from anybody else? God is saying, you're aware of this. Most people aren't aware of this. You know, most people in the world aren't aware that God is the one who's given them the ability to produce wealth. Most people in the world aren't aware that God actually caused them to be born in the, the best nation on planet Earth. 
the most free, the most, are you following me? You might argue with me, that's okay. It's pretty good living in Canada, though. It's pretty good here. Here you are. But here's the second thing that this has to say to us today. We have a choice as to where and how we invest what has been vested into us. We get to decide. You know, part of your Metron, I said this the other day, and uh, we met somebody, and she talked to me, and I said, you know, this may freak you out. I said, but the least controlling being in the universe is God. He actually gives absolute freedom to mankind. You can do whatever you want with your life. God gave you the gift, and he said, now choose. Employ it for good or employ it for self. It's up to you. Just understand one day I will come back, and you will give an account. That's, that's all he wants you to get. This is what he's trying to teach us, church, where and how we invest the first two invested their gold as stewards and managers for the master. Master called them good and faithful, serving, being great, giving them perspective of having eyes of faith. Faith knows that one day we'll give an account. Faith knows that all we give in this life and for God will be rewarded a million times over in the next. Faith knows that when we invest the temporal things, listen to me, what you are holding in your hand is temporary. It's only temporal. I often joke about something in our house. When we bought our house several years ago, we bought it at the height of the market, thank God, and, uh, and uh, roll my eyes. And uh, I was arguing with the guy, not arguing, but debating the price, and, and he was pretty firm on his price. And so finally I said to him, well, okay, we were $5,000 apart on the price. I said, then throw in the table and chairs. Okay, you can have the table and chairs. I'm like, great. So I call it my $5,000 table and chairs. It's the junkiest table and chairs you've ever seen in your life. I have so many screws and things holding this thing together because it's like my $5,000 table. I can't let it go. And it's literally, it's terrifying when people sit on it. It may collapse and kill them at any point. We're not sure, but we're praying in faith. And uh, do you understand? It's just going to fall away one day. It's nothing. Guys, that's our world today. You know, do you remember the first scratch you got on your new car? What a horrible thing, eh? I bought a new table once. Another ta table seemed to be the theme. <laughs> a coffee table. I paid $500 for it. And then we had visitors over and they had kids. And the kid had a Tonka truck. Not Tonka trucks, like not those little cheap plastic Tonka trucks, metal Tonka truck. Bam, 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 bam. Betty's just sitting there, and I'm like, maybe you don't want to do that, sweetie. Maybe you want to. That's not what I was thinking, but that's what I was saying. And Betty says to me, Greg, it's just a table. Excuse me, I feel for clipped. I gotta go. <laughs> I can't talk right now. 
my wife and I have different value systems on certain things. It's just stuff, which is Betty, yeah, amen. She's way more godly than I am and good. <laughs> I get to visit her in heaven sometimes. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> Are you following me, guys? It's just stuff. And yet we live our whole lives for it. Because that's what I want you to understand. The third servant, he didn't invest with eyes on the kingdom. He invested with eyes on the world. Did you catch that? It, it captured me as I was reading this scripture. And I've read this story so many times. It said he buried the master's money into the earth. And so I just began to look up that word. He buried it into this world. You know, we do that all the time, don't we? If we're really honest, don't we take our time and our talents and our treasures and our stuff and, and, and sometimes we just bury it into this world. You know why we do that? Because we think this is all there is. It's not all there is. It's nothing. It's but a breath, the Bible calls it. It's like the fading flowers of the world, the Bible says. Here today, gone tomorrow. But what you do with what you have today sets the table for your eternity. Wow. Wow. You know, if I didn't tell you that, I actually wouldn't be a good pastor. I wouldn't love you if I didn't warn you about that. You know, we need to live our life honestly and sow the seeds of our life, our ambitions, our talents, our abilities. We have to choose whether we're going to sow them into the ground or we're going to sow them with faith into the kingdom. That's your choice. God isn't going to choose it for you. By the way, can I just give you a practical one? You know, if God doesn't strike you dead because you didn't tithe, doesn't mean tithing God is justifying you. He's not going to strike you dead if you don't tithe or give. He's not. Okay, I don't believe that. But understand there's an account that's going to come. All these things that we do, church, everything that we do in our lives, everything's being recorded. And I don't know about you, but I, as your pastor, really want you to have faith forward thinking in the lives that you're living. It's important to me knowing that we're given account one day. Are we faith filled with all we have? Is life with the king and his kingdom your first or your last thought? The servant buried his money out of fear and a lack of faith in the master. He didn't know the master's goodness. And I think that's why we root ourselves in this world. Fear drives us to put our faith in this world and not living in the accountability and reward of the next. Let me end with these last two thoughts. Two thoughts about where you plant for multiplication. Number one is this. You are equipped and blessed by God to exercise dominion and to multiply. You are image bearers, church. You are created in the image of God. You're created to live incredible lives. You're created to 
have an exceptional amount of fun with life. Do you know God is the most joyful being in the world? He wants you to love life, enjoy life, live life to the full. Do your most, give your best, do it all, enjoy it. Yes, bless your family. Yes, take care of business at home. Yes, all that stuff. But yes, think of the kingdom. Go for it, church. God has equipped you to exercise dominion over your lives. And he's not going to interfere. But he will support you if you'll turn that toward him. That's his promise. Amen? That's his promise, church. Your image bearers. I remember... I was just thinking of a story this morning. I was praying and I was saying, Lord, show me who I can talk about that kind of displays that just using your life for the fullness and, and doing what you can. I mean, there's lots of stories. I could pick many people, but I'll tell you one story about Pastor Glenn Forsberg's uncle. And so his name is uh, Pastor Forseth, I'll just call him. And um, Pastor Forseth was a farmer in northern Alberta. And uh, he was in Grand Prairie area. And the Lord called him into ministry. Now, what's unique about Pastor Forseth is he moved to Manhattan. <laughs> Which is like the cultural opposite of a farm boy <laughs> from northern Alberta. Are you following me? And God birthed a revival through him. You can read about it. It's called the Smithton Revival. This little farm, if you talk to him, he's the most unassuming man in the world. And he's like, I'm just a farm kid from Saskatchewan, or from Alberta. Like, I don't get it. Yet God did this incredible work through his life that has affected generations of people in Manhattan. Incredible. Just because he took his power... And he said, Lord, whatever you want to do, wherever you want to do it, I'm your man. Amen? You're equipped by God, church, to multiply. Here's the last thing you need to know. Your master is your father. And he is far, far more generous than you could ever imagine or understand. Don't buy the lie that this is all there is. Because if you will take what's been vested into you and use it for the glory of God, you're going to be rewarded in eternity with permanence and blessing that far exceeds anything you can imagine in this life. Amen? How good is your God, is my question. Is he good enough to trust that whatever you sow in this life, you'll be rewarded in the next a million times over what, whatever you let go of and sowed in this life? Amen? Well, let's pray.
Holy Spirit, I just... Um, Lord, I, I really pray for every person here just for a moment of fierce honesty. God, where am I digging a hole into this world and not remembering your kingdom? And listen to me, church. Listen carefully. Don't, don't get mad at me, but I love you enough to tell you this. Don't blame God. Don't say, God, I knew you, that you were hard. I knew that you were, you were mean. I knew that you were terrible. I didn't trust you. No, stop it. Stop it. Just be honest. Say, God, I'm not trusting you. I'm trusting that in this world, I'm digging a hole and I'm burying my stuff, my talents, my abilities, my, my stuff, my money. I'm, I'm sinking it all into this world, Lord. Just be honest with God right now. That's where this starts, guys. This is where it begins. I can't do that for you. I can just tell you that you need to do it. <laughs> you need to say, God, help me. Stop living in fear and start living in faith. If that's you here today, I'm going to give you an opportunity just to raise your hand and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to start living in faith more and more. Yes, yes, yes. Lots, lots, lots of hands going up now. Yeah, be honest with the Lord. Be honest with the Lord. Thank you, Father. Put your hands back down. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. servants faithful was they knew their master and they had a relationship with him. God is wanting a relationship with you today. If you have never asked Jesus to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins, to be your Lord and your Savior, the invitation is open today. If that's you, I want you to raise your hand because I want to pray together with you. All the people that have raised their hands here before are going to pray with you as well. So don't be scared. But trust the Lord today. Yes. Are there others that would raise their hand? Hallelujah, Lord. Yes, in the back I see your hand. If you've ever prayed that prayer of asking Jesus into your life or if you've raised your hand for the first time, Pray it out loud together with me right now, with everybody in this building. Say, Heavenly Father, thank you for life and life abundant. Help me to live fully for you. Help me to engage every part of my life into your kingdom. Your kingdom come. Your will be done 
Thank you for saving my soul. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's give these people a hand clap today, amen.